Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the American Pavilion, celebrating our 31st year here at the Cannes Film Festival. Uh, we are delighted to present this next conversation. Uh, IndieWire Screen Talk podcast with Ann Thompson and Eric Cohn. So if you'd please silence your phones and join me in welcoming our guests to the stage. Hey everybody, thanks for coming out. This is so much fun. We really love that the American Pavilion gives us a chance to do this because usually we're in our pajamas on two different sides of the country talking about movies and the industry and all this stuff, but when we're face-to-face, -face, it really changes things. And when we're face-to-face -face in Cannes, as we are for many hours of the day, early we hours and late like nights. We actually like each other. Yeah, we get along quite well. But we also find that there is so much to talk about every day throughout the day because the narrative of Cannes keeps changing. So we're so. living in this uh, little apartment. I'm like uh, Snow White with the seven dwarves, you know. There's um, four of them. <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and we talk about all the movies when we come back, and we, we debate. And, and Eric and I have been saying a lot lately, oh, we can argue about that on the podcast. Yeah, we could be here for a while. <laughs> you know, and, and if you stayed here long enough, we could do this every day, because uh, the more movies that come along, the more opinions sort of accelerate. But the timing couldn't be better, because the blockbuster of this year's Cannes Film Festival wasn't the opening night film with Dead Don't Die. It was obviously Quentin Tarantino, and there's sort of the pre-Quentin Tarantino Cannes 2019 and the post one. So last night, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood premiered, and we need to get into that a little bit, because this is a movie that obviously had so much anticipation around it. Quentin Tarantino is a god here. He hasn't made a movie in a while. He's playing with all these big themes, but I have to say, this is a movie that would have been better served as an opening night film because I feel I, I really like it in certain parts. I think DiCaprio and Brad Pitt are better than ever, but it's it's a movie that uh, I think is is much more low key than people are ex expecting. With one exception, I'm not going to spoil. It's a very subdued movie, almost to the Jackie Brown levels of subdued. Subdued so, is not the word I would oh, use. Oh, absolutely, absolutely not. Let's get right into it because it, it is a movie more about the sort of internal experiences of. Uh, of an actor at a, at a pivotal point in his life, played by DiCaprio, wondering if he can continue to give these great performances. Right. So he's doing a character study, and it's really a two-hander. And all of you, I'm sure, saw the long lists of people that are supposedly in this movie. And if you went to the press conference today, you found out about various scenes that were cut out of the movie, big scene with Pacino, um, a, a big scene where they reenact The Great Escape. Which with with Rick Dalton playing the Steve McQueen role, um, there and and Tetanus, uh, uh, Tarantino is obviously so immersed in all this material, and I'm looking forward to talking to him because whatever he did in terms of the editing of this movie, he left out a lot, and um, I want to find out what you know how he structured it. But what he ended up with is two big megawatt movie stars, 
and a lot of little tiny parts for everybody else, and not very much for Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate either. She barely talked in the movie, it's actually. It's very a little, little under, dialogue, as somebody brought up at the at the press conference. And so it's really, um, you know, you do get to meet the Manson family, and you do. There's this. Ex th as usual, there are these extraordinary set pieces, one after the other. Two set in February of 1969, and um, I mean, I mean. Two parts of the movie are set in, in February of 1969, and then the third part, the part we're really not allowed to talk about, is basically the night of, of the Manson murders. And whatever happens that night, we can't say. I have to tell you, they kind of are almost spoiling the movie themselves just by telling you not to spoil it. This movie can be appreciated for a lot of reasons that have little to do with plot, and the craft of it is, is just so striking. He really recreated this period through his own filter, and, and that it's is a exciting. a great deal of love, and you know, uh, he's full of references, and he cares about this stuff so deeply. Um, I mean, for one thing, um, he recreates a, a long-lost Mexican restaurant that I used to frequent called El Coyote, which is across the street from the theater he runs in Hollywood, the New Beverly, and there are all sorts of inside references uh, like that, but, but you basically have these two actors in 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 and they do they have real characters and you do f care about them and he weaves all these different elements the Manson family the Sharon Tate and her group of friends and these two guys and their work um, on these various movies that they do which are all homages and in, in a way um, one thing he said at the at the press conference was that when his first AD read the script for the first time having to go to his house to read it um, he he read it was, it's his ninth movie and he said you have put all eight of your movies into the ninth and there's something to be said that, for that I want to raise a potential red flag because about the reception of this movie because I think it speaks to a larger challenge with Cannes as a whole, which is that movies come here and they get this red carpet treatment and if they're great, they can get six, seven, eight minute standing ovations. We've Everyone's running before. the clock. You have right? to ignore that. Yeah, ignore, ignore it because there, there were actually they two different numbers listed for the standing ovation uh, for the movie last night it's and there were others that had the same. De rigueur. So, yeah, and, and they'll, they'll do it even if they were sleeping the whole movie because it's fun. But I will say that I'm getting this weird sense that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is not the slam dunk commercial prospects that you would assume because of these stars. Remember uh, Grindhouse, and, which was not a great movie per se, or two movies kind of lumped together. You mean but it Death was Proof. That one, no, but, but which I'm one was his? Death Proof and, and Planet Terror were right. one project. Commercially, that didn't work because. Because it was two things and it, they were th bad. And it was weird. It way. was a weird concept, but also it was steeped in a familiarity with a certain tradition of filmmaking that they were enthusiastic about and general audiences didn't have a relationship to. And so is this Western TV Western. I Westerns. disagree with that. I think you're going to relate to these two guys who are sort of outsiders who aren't making it who aren't getting what they want and and I think that he I think those two movie stars are are so big that everyone's going to want to see the movie and Tarantino himself I have underestimated I mean I I didn't know if people would go see Django Unchained I didn't know if people would go see Inglorious Bastards and they did all over he is the easy world to underestimate. he is a global 
Yeah, he's a brand. Name. He's like Spielberg or something. And Spielberg is somebody who also gets underestimated because he's been around forever and we take him for granted. So it, it is quite possible. But as a summer movie phenomenon, it's also this real open question at a stage when there are so many kind of challenges facing the market. I mean, every buyer that I talk to at Cannes is freaking out because all these movies are expensive as hell. And they're more expensive than they should be because the market is not set up to do that. You're talking about the little indie movies, though. Yeah, I think we should get into that, though. Because the first um, sort of well-received film this year, Les Miserables, sold to Amazon for upwards of a million dollars. And nobody in that ecosystem, except maybe Netflix, can really compete with that. And that's the price well, tag the on a lot of films. the point is, is that Amazon and Netflix can afford to spend more than anyone else. And if they want something, they can get it, unless... And in the case of this one, the reason Amazon got it is because they deliver a theatrical release, and that means a lot to filmmakers. So that gives them an advantage sometimes. But it's also, it's, they're going to spend, they're going to put marketing dollars behind it. They can do an awards campaign and all these kinds of things. I hope it's the French submission. It's my favorite film at this festival, Les Miserables. You it and is, Pedro Almodovar, apparently. It is the uh, delivery of a brand new, exciting director, someone with in, real chops who uh, can manipulate you and get you going and on the edge of your seat and lays out all these different factions that these three cops have to deal with in this very poor neighborhood. And you know exactly who everybody is and you know exactly what the uh, stakes are. It's, it's a remarkable movie. I have to say, when people ask me what my favorite movie of the festival is this year, it, the answer keeps changing. And it, maybe I'm partly just a Cannes fanboy, but also in the 13 years that I've been coming here, the, I know what an off year kind of feels like. And we really really have not had a dud in the official competition, which is, is rare in recent times. Frankie. Frankie is not a dud. I kind of like that movie. Whoa. Let's get into it. She was ready for that, by the way. Don't buy the performance. <laughs> Isabelle Huppert can do no wrong. She's fabulous in this. And the scenes with her and Brendan Gleeson are truly moving. And I, I adore both actors. This is one of those situations, sort of like a... Um, um, a little bit like a Woody Allen movie, God forbid, in the sense that the actors have to bring it to life. They have to make it and work. And they do. And all the other ones don't. I think that this is a... A lot of actors in that movie. It's a subtle movie from a director who is exclusively subtle. working in that... In that T tone, right? In that register. I mean, it's it's all talk. It's about people going through very particular moments in their lives, and it's set against this gorgeous scenery it's that brings that up. It's a lot of walking and talking. So you basically oh, are in you this like the gorgeous location. Um, that is good writing. I think this has a really interesting This is not script. good writing. No, I, I, and, and not only does it have a really strong script, but it has a certain kind of texture to the way that it moves along. You get pulled into certain moments and exchanges without even realizing it. And then the film ends with everybody in one place, and you finally get the full texture of, or this full sort of tapestry of how all these different generations of a family are impacted by different things. I think this is a movie that was underserved by what happens at this festival with the competition section, which is that it creates these otherworldly expectations for something you've never seen before or something major. It's a major. very small, minor movie. It's a it will, minor film. Sony Pictures Classics will release it in the United States to some business for the adult audience over 50, and uh, it will do uh, well with them. Uh, it will get modest to middling to negative reviews. You will be one of the best reviews it will receive. We're going to put money on this one later because I think that people... 
are more are kinder to films like that outside of the context of, of the festival no, environment. No, I don't think it was served well. I, it shouldn't have been in the competition. But but the thing about the competition that I always and it enjoy, was because they needed Isabelle Huppert to walk the red carpet. Yeah, and obviously, it's, that's, that's it's been elevated slot. by yep. her presence, and it wouldn't have even been considered for competition if she wasn't in it. Yeah, that's that's it's a challenge for a lot of films. A film that I think is sort of the ideal kind of yes, this is a can competition film and gets me excited is Baku Rao. The Brazilian film from Kleber Mendoza Fioho, who was here with Aquarius a few years ago, because it's so surprising and strange and singular. It's sort of a Western near future story about American imperialists and a small community in the middle of nowhere being attacked by them. But it's got all these great reference points. It's got Udo Kier, it's got Sonia Braga. And it goes in so many interesting directions. So Eric comes back to the apartment and he says, oh, Anne, you're not going to like this movie. It's too violent. It's, it's too violent. I go, Eric, I love Westerns. Why wouldn't I like this movie? So I stubbornly went to see it because um, it's a really, really good Western and I enjoyed it on that basis. But it has the same problem that Frankie does. It has this section of, of actors who are playing the bad white guys in the movie. And they're all bad actors, except for Udo Kier, who's great, and he pulls it off. And so I was thrown out of the movie every time they came on screen. I have no forgiveness for bad acting. But to it, me, the bad acting in that movie is a device, because it, they're, they're archetypes. The movie's playing with familiar tropes, in a way, and it's a very self-aware piece of filmmaking. There's bad special effects. There's a UFO in the movie that has a kind of meta quality as well. So that's a movie that I think takes some really bold risks. I mean, probably the, the most polished filmmaking that we've seen in the section goes down to two movies, I would say, maybe three. We've got Pedro Almodovar, we've got Portrait of a Lady on Fire, we've got Parasite, um, and a couple of others that, that are I, up and there. And we have a hidden life. A hidden life. So, the, so let's, let's do the Malik. All yeah. right. So basically, um, Malik has been off his feed for a, a while now. He, he triumphed here, won the Palm d'Or with, with uh, uh, Tree of Life, and then proceeded to spin off a bunch of, of movies that were very much like Tree of Life and using the same, you know, meditative camera work chivo for the most part. The and whispery the, voiceover. And the voiceovers and all of that. So, all right. This one, almost three hours long, World War II, using all of that, those um, uh, ways of making movies uh, in service of a narrative, in service of, of a story, and in service of, of better defined characters. And yes, there's narration, which is really how he writes the movie, because he's shooting the movie in these long, long, long takes and finding things as he goes. And I was tired. And I loved this movie. I did not nod for an instant. It's through true. The whole I was thing. staying with her. She asked me to wake her up just in case, and she did, I didn't need to do that. But I will say that it's a movie that benefits from being a Malik movie in the sense that you're expecting your expectations were pretty low going in. I think for a That's lot of true. people, so that seeing that style applied to an actual narrative is so surprising. It's like, oh, welcome back, Badlands director. You know, he can actually do that. Um, but the movie. I think is it does kind of push past that to the point where it gets a little frustrating in parts. It's a little redundant. I think it's a little underwritten. And the camera work did annoy me in parts. I mean, he still can't resist kind of doing these weird roving takes or, or strange low angles on people in normal dialogue conversations. It did not bother me in this case. I think the movie making is so exquisite and so precise. And here, it's in the service of a story that is resonant with what is going on in the world today, the rise of the far right. And you know, you're, you're dealing with a guy who cannot 
give Hitler a loyalty oath. And I found the movie really chilling in that way. So but it's so relevant to where yeah, we are I mean, right the now. The more you think about it, it's sort of like this guy is basically sacrificing his life instead of pledging loyalty to the Nazis. And as a result, he's cutting himself off from his wife and his kids. So there are moments in the movie where you are thinking, well, just do it so you can go back to your family. But then you think about, well, would I sign a loyalty pledge to the Nazis? It actually is a fascinating moral conundrum. And so that's what really drives it. Now, is it going to drive people to the movie theaters? Because Fox Searchlight seems to think so, having spent was it $14 million? 12, 12 to 14 for world Probably rights. more than it costs to make Tree of Life. Well, one, they wouldn't have bought all those rights if they didn't think they could find markets for it around the world. And it is in English, and it is beautifully acted by August Steele and Valerie Pochner. They're really remarkable in it. Um, and it does, it, by the way, it's, it's not weird that they're speaking English and there's German all around them. There's a little it's, bit of German here and there, it's yeah. It's good. It's good. All right. So, so th the second thing that they're confident of, and I agree with them, is that this movie's really going to play well for the Academy. If you think, and, and also, so will uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, because you just have to go through the categories and say production design, costume design, cinematography, editing, directing, it could happen. And Malik doesn't have to do anything. Oh, look who decided to show up. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the director of the Cannes Film Festival, Thierry Fromeau, with his late in the party introduction. Bonjour, bonjour. I'm, I'm sorry I'm late. We don't get to applaud you enough around here. So well, we don't get to applaud you enough around no, here. No, no, no. Don't <laughs> applaud me. You, you applaud me on Sunday. <laughs> Not before. So what, what I'm supposed to do? No. Whatever you want. <laughs> Welcome. You were going to give us an introduction. Okay, we're well so underway. I, I don't make any introduction, but uh, maybe a conclusion. Maybe the... Well, Final we, we were talking a little bit about the festival, and I know that you, you follow our coverage closely, so maybe you could give Very us some closely. insight into what it's like from your perspective. Well, it's too early to say, but uh, it's too early to say because we are the two-thirds of the festival, and there is, uh, you know, my joke was when people used to say to, to tell me, well, we watch a lot of good movies. I said, don't worry, the bad movies are coming. But no, because I don't want to say that for the movie, for the for the coming movies. But uh, well, no, it looks that is a good year. But every year, I think it's a good year regarding what we have to see. I we make the festival, we make the selection regarding the film submitted. Not with, there is not an island on this planet where people uh, are doing uh, good films without showing it to the audience. So Cannes Film Festival, and whoever, uh, what festival, they, we, we, we work on with the material we have. And this year, I, I, we had a good material. To me, the selection last year was good, too. It was, was very good. but this is a remarkable year. You have bigger films, perhaps. Um, a Malik, a Tarantino, um, a Jarmusch. You have big films this year. What, what is good is that with Every film, we have a story. Uh, as I said yesterday on stage, Quentin Tarantino is a child of Cannes. He's a good friend of mine. He came several times in Lyon. And uh, so that uh, he's very faithful to his own career. Not because it's 
the 25 years after Pulp Fiction. Really, because it's his ninth film, maybe we'll be retired together after his 10th film. And I ask him to, to have this film here, and then we... And then we, we give him a send off. Yeah, yeah. I have one question for you. Um, the you introduced uh, the movie The Climb, which we haven't gotten around to talking about, which Eric and I both really like. We think these guys are a major discovery. And you um, apparently was going to go to directors' fortnight, and you asked for it to be in the festival. We saw. I I personally saw the film very late because one of my committee member. Well, you know, we have so many films to see. He saw the movie on DVD, and it's not that he didn't like it. He didn't pay attention to that, except that the first scene shot here in, 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 in the, what we call l'arrière-pays, with those two bicycles guys. And uh, so he said to me, please, uh, look at that film. It, it's, it's very good, as you are a cyclist yourself. So I saw, the, I saw the film just for the first scene. But then the, the, the I, I, went, I went ahead with the film, and the, and the film was very good. So I said, no, no, we have, to, we have to have that film. And they were about to say yes, or they said yes already to the, to the directors Fortnite, because directors Fortnite, they have less film to see than us. And I like to take time. And everyone knows that. And uh, for example, the, the Lighthouse, the same. I wanted to show that film, but uh, they already said yes to the directors felt nice. But as that one was about bicycle too, so it was impossible <laughs> for me to to let the film go away. And uh, so we had a wonderful email exchange with Michael Covino about Eddie Merckx, about that Belgium champion of cycling. So it was the way to convince him to, to come here. I think it's worth pointing out, you alluded to your festival in Lyon, the Lumiere Festival, which I've gone to, and it's what Thierry runs in the fall. I mean, you are a real cinephile, and you're watching these films and engaging with directors. So I, I'm curious how you feel about when people look at the festival and they say, oh, this was an off year, or they should have put this in competition. How much do you feel like you have to fight back against whatever experience somebody has here? When a film, for example, any film at un certain regard, yeah, sometimes people should, this film should have been put in competition. I think it's good for the film. And, uh, and it's okay for me if I'm, if I'm criticized for have been not uh, audacious enough. Because first, it's good for the film to have the kind of press or audience putting the film more high than we did. And, uh, and nobody knows what can happen when you are in competition. So sometimes the film is very well received because it's not in competition. It's what happened last year with Le Grand Bain. Four million and a half admission. It was out of competition. It's a good film. But as it's a kind of mainstream comedy, like the Nicolas Bedos this year, like Rocketman, to me, Rocketman is a very good film. But the, position, the best position for a film like that is more out of competition. So. What we do, and at the end of the journey, it's all included in the official selection. So what we have to do is to pick up the movies and, and to think about how, for each film, um, what happened in Cannes could be the best. And, uh, and uh, what I was saying is that, for example, <coughs> Terry Malik is a friend of mine for many, many years. And when I asked him 
about the film, I didn't know that UGC in France was co-producer of the film. I didn't know that. So he showed me the film in Los Angeles. Nobody knew that. And of course, I was the first spectator to tell him that, uh, that, that he was invited in Cannes. And, uh, and, and to me, it was also a way to have him back after Tree of Life, but uh, as a friend. And Rocketman, the story is about, uh, like, like Quentin's film uh, with, with uh, Tom Rothman, Rocketman is also a story with Jim Giannopoulos, uh, the CEO of uh, Paramount. Uh, because I know he loves Cannes. They are, we are, we are all, not you, old-fashioned kind of consideration. Um, you know, because you are everywhere, everyone is talking about, about the, the, that new world. But did you notice that the word platform is totally... Is nowhere here, because this the only thing I can say now is that can can 19, not us, all together, is the response of cinema. Last year it was it was real about uh, what about uh, the, the absence of of Roma? What about Netflix? What about this or that? And uh, first again to judge uh, a film festival anywhere you have to take five years, at least 10 years. So it was just last year, and for sure, that new world which is coming is not nothing, it's big. But it's not because there is something new that we, there's something, uh, next year we are going to celebrate the 125 years of the birth of Cinematographe Lumière. So cinema is still a nice baby. <laughs> Maybe it's a toddler now, something <laughs> like that. Well, you're in the American Pavilion, and, and you're talking to a bunch of Americans. And you know, we've talked before about how. Please get comfortable. <laughs> Welcome to the show. America, you know, the studios. You brought the studio back this year, but America has a different sort of relationship to cinema than you have here in France. And frankly, it's harder to get people to see a lot of movies. Movie-going culture in in Paris, especially, is very active, and it's 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 just harder to to get people to go see. And but a lot do you of the think films, you're right? It, it, you I, think your is, country is right? I we, I'm not sure. Mine is right. But for sure, it's different. Even if I think that there is more similarities between America and France than America, France, and some other area in the world. Yeah. But for sure, uh, I'm not sure that it's true that America is a lab of the future for, for the best and for the worst. Not just cinema, you mean? Not ju <laughs> I hope that politically, <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, but even for cinema, I mean, uh, the platforms and all the big company of that yes. are American. You have protected your cinemas, and buyers and sellers all over the world know that they can take their movies to France and show them in theaters, and that is a very, very good thing. I'm glad that you've done that. But in America, we don't have those protections. We haven't set that whole system up. And what we have is a situation where the theaters are risking, I believe, you, you're right. uh, the situation. It could go very badly for them, and it could be bad for movies. You're right, but remember the, the movement slow food? So we are for slow cinema. <laughs> That's a movement, too. Uh, yeah, it's another movement. Even though Bellatar retired. And, and you know, Lyon, Eric, uh, we bought uh, three theaters 
One was closed, the, the two others were about to die. We renovated it, and it works a lot. So what is happening everywhere, even what, what Nani Moretti is doing in Roma for many, many years in the Nuevo Saquer, Novo Saquer, I think that, and in New York, there is a lot of new theaters. So we have, uh, and it's not about protecting something, it's about culture. It's like every Saturday morning, me and my kids, we go to the bookstore. It's my tradition to go and to buy my books. By, I mean, the world, we discussed that, and he mentioned that with Alejandro in Aritu. We, they, they, we don't know who they are, they want us to stay home, to ask for pizza, to ask for book, to ask for uh, films, and stay home. And we want to make the opposite. We want to go out to look to, to the concert, to go to the stadium, to go to the restaurant, and to go to theaters. And it's not, uh, it's a conviction for sure, it's a culture. And, uh, and you know, all these platform movement, they are very good, they are brilliant. It's an incredible moment of the history of cinema, images, whatever. But it's only, what, five, 10 years. We'll see in five, 10 years what will happen. And I'm sure that to talk about Cannes or Berlin or Toronto or Venice, uh, film festivals are here to, to, to get the modernity, but also to yeah, celebrate what which unified us. And uh, that's it. It's, uh, I'm not sure that Quentin, with his new Beverly, uh, with that very bad 35 millimeter print, <laughs> uh, he's not protecting or he's not, he's not from the past. He's not old, he just, it's here. We in museum and archives, we are thousands and thousands of 35 millimeter print. And it's good to show that. It's good to put in the eyes of the youth what was it like last, year, last night, that chemical exchange between the screen and the eyes of the audience. It's which a very is not romantic the same concept. Than, than digital. And it's, it's not better or it's not less good, it's, it's different. And it's still what we, we can. Uh, which films in the competition were in 35 millimeter? You have only two. Uh, once upon a time in Hollywood and um, and uh, Xavier uh, Dolan film, yeah, yeah, and, and none of the Cannes classic Xavier films Dolan, are. I, I don't have news because sometimes, for example, last year, uh, Nouri Bilgezelan, the Turkish director, he had both DCP digital print and 35. He wanted to screen the film in 35, but suddenly at the rehearsal, he said, "No, no, let's make it in digital." So it depends. I want to ask you a cultural question because as much as we enjoy just talking about the art of cinema, there's no question that some aspect of our society wants to really focus on diversity. And you know, you've you've talked a lot about the challenges involved in programming the festival to get to gender parity and last year signed this pledge and everything. Um, do you think that there is a future in which the competition could look balanced in any particular way? Well, you, you know my opinion in, in this matter. I can't say anything because you are a man and a woman. We're balanced, gender parity. Yeah, wonderful. No, because usually, you know, for example, uh, a, a French newspaper, they were interviewing me about that. And in front of me, I had five men. 
asking me about parity, gender parity, five men. So the prem is not about cinema, and by, by, by far not the prem of Cannes, it's the prem of the society. So what I'm upset with is that every year in Cannes, and only in Cannes, we, but not, not, only, not only us, but uh, the question is on the table. I think the question must be put on the table from June to April, and especially in May, but not only in May. Then we have Agnès Varda on the poster. At that time, Agnès was alone as a director. Aida Lupino was alone. Agnès Guy was the first one. We do in Lyon a permanent history of uh, female directors. And, you know, Larissa Shepitko, and even a lot of people who are asking me about uh, female filmmakers, they don't know that history. They don't pay any attention to the past of who, uh, who was director, uh, what women, etc., in what countries. Now there is more and more, and especially we have to, we have to pay attention to the school. Cinema school, we have to put officially gender parity. But in a film festival, first, we are not the cause, we are the effect of film festival. It's the last step of the, of the process. So if you have a lot uh, more and more female director, you will have more and more female director in competition. But you can't decide, and Agnès used to tell me, promise me, never pick a movie because it's directed by a woman. But if you want to pay respect to a woman, you have to take the movie because it's good, regarding your taste. And right or wrong, it's what we do. We don't care because you don't care once you, we, we screen the film. We are in the dark room, we just watch a film. And we don't care about if the film is directed by a young, an old, a European, an Asian, and man or woman. We don't care about races, religion, it's, it's a film. But for sure that we have an evolution in the organization of Cannes, in the selection committee, in a lot of stuff. We were about to have gender parity in the selection committee. You added you had one. Yeah, one we, had, right. we had one, peop one person. We have, much, we have a gender parity because we have much more women in the organization than men. But, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, to answer your question, I think that more and more with years, we will have, look, for example, the French selection inside the competition, two men to women, gender parity. And look at that new African generation, West Africa, East Africa, North Africa. There is a new movement, there is a lot of new filmmakers. And among that, I think we screen more female directors than men. And uh, which is also a sign. If you take the proportion of female director in competition, we are almost 20, which is better than the past, but not, not as much as we would like. But if you take the short films, it's, I think, 38. If you take, uh, if you take the Cine Fondation, which is really the schools of cinema, it's almost 50. So that is the future. We have to pay attention to these numbers, these statistics. And this is the sign that we, maybe not me, but people after me, they'll, they'll have more, 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 more female director for sure.
Should we open it up for yeah. just a couple we'll questions? Take a couple questions from the audience for us, but you have Thierry Frimo here. Monsieur Frimo. He's, he's really good at the mic, as you can tell. We can talk too. about cyclists, too. <laughs> just uh, shoot your just hand in the raise air. raise your hand, and right. if you have anything you want to ask, don't be afraid. <laughs> it shouldn't be that intimidating. <laughs> Maybe up in the front here, a question? No, nothing. Yes. Go ahead. What's the process of, of selecting the jury president? Well, um, right now, for example, I don't know who will be president next year. So last year, I didn't know. We have a list of people. You have the same list. People, you, are thinking about who can be, who is legitimate to be president. Because being president of Cannes, judging uh, part of the... Uh, best part of, uh, of contemporary cinema, you must be credible. So Alejandro Inaritu, and it's the joke of, of Del Toro, he said, well, we have been jury members, me, Del Toro, Alfonso Cuaron, and Inaritu never been uh, jury members. Then he, go, he, go, he went up straight to be president. So he said, you are very clever. But sure that... Uh, in a way, having uh, Alejandro Inaritu for us, it's, it's a tribute to that wonderful generation of Mexican cinema. Everything we do, right or wrong, has a meaning, has a reason. And uh, Alejandro is one of the best directors of his own generation. But it's also, is somebody, is a good guy, is a good movie buff. But also, in a way, with him, he's the, he's the first. Uh, Mexican uh, director, president, the first Mexican president, and uh, and I think that uh, the legitimacy is not not a problem for anyone. So we started to talk, and as is always working, it was not easy for me to be sure that he accept, and we had to wait a little bit, and then suddenly he said, "Let's make it." This is actually, there's a question I have for you that's, that's a few people brought up to me yesterday w when they watched the Tarantino film, which is that you have a juror with uh, Al Fanning, yeah. uh, whose sister is in that film. Yeah. So, how, uh, and I was explaining to people, but I, I think it's better to hear from you why this isn't necessarily something to be worried well, about. First, I said to Elle Fanning that any question she can have, the response is only that I don't like my sister. <laughs> Then no conflict, nothing. But to tell the truth, I didn't know that uh, her sister was in the film. I just didn't know. I, I don't pay attention to the cast. I didn't want the That's images. That's not I how saw. I was going to answer. I was going to say it's, it's, they each get one vote, right? And so by the way, you're right. Uh, it's a group of nine people, one man and woman, one vote. So I said to Elle, if you want to convince your group, okay, let's, let's make it. I, I look at you. Good luck with all these filmmakers. Yeah, good luck, good luck. <laughs> no, no. And, and you know, maybe you have been part of the, in a jury. When you are a jury member, it's about sincerity. It's about, I never met uh, a jury member, a president, who gave his vote like that. No. Everyone has his own conviction. And I mean, on Saturday, we can wait for, like every year, a big, big and, and great discussions about film. 
And by the way, the, 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 the part of Dakota Fanning is very small. And I, and I saw her in the red carpet, and she's a good, uh, she's a good girl too. So I said to El Fanning, I prefer your sister. <laughs> <laughs> so what are the rules about how you can, how a film can only win a certain number of prizes? Well, with the two big prizes, uh, Grand Prix and Palme d'Or, you can have only that. If you are Palme d'Or, it's because the film is, is great. Great for the performing, great for the filmmaking, great for the screenplay, great for, for everything. Because we don't want anymore to have a jury in an easy way giving four or five awards like it happened in the past. With Elephant, for example, they gave three awards to Elephant plus the Palme d'Or. And you can add only best actor, best actress with jury prize or uh, screenplay. But the three filmmaking, best director, uh, Grand Prix, and uh, so it's, it's the rule of, of Cannes. Any other questions? There's one on the aisle here. We do have a microphone, which is good for our recording, so make sure to use that. Um, could I um, ask how important is uh, geographic representation when it comes to selecting films to be played at Cannes? What was uh, Geographic representation. How important is it to have different parts of the world, different cultures represented? It's, um, it's important. It's an interesting question because it's the discussion we have. They are quite focused, and you are maybe only in American cinema. That's not true. That's no. not true. <laughs> that, no, they are not the worst for that. But <laughs> they are even the best uh, to pay interest to, to world cinema. But Cannes is really also, uh, about world cinema. But if you look at the, at the competition, the main representation is America and France because I'm sorry to say that I grew up, being a movie book at, at the moment I grew up was loving American cinema. America is still a great country of films. Recently, we had Mexican, Mexico, we had Korea, well, Korea was always a great country. But if I may say so, I started to invite them a lot and because I, I, I knew that, but in the 60s, the 70s, Nobody paid attention to Korea. Nobody paid attention to a guy who was reinventing the film noir in Hong Kong, John Woo. Yeah. John Woo never came in competition. Now it's, uh, the job is much more difficult than in the past. At that time, you could miss John Woo. Now, the new John Woo, if I miss him, I mean, uh, I will be fired with good reasons. So we have really to... But, uh, but for sure, there is a balance. But it's, it's almost natural, having African cinema, Asian cinema. We don't have any Argentinian film except that documentary. But Argentina is a good country for film. And the same, you have to take five years in order to make analysis of, uh, of, uh, of what world cinema is. But for sure, it's very important for us to, to show. And we have that kind of test. Taste. Could you explain how you select the French films in the competition? Is, it, is there a certain number every year that have to, and it's a separate committee? Is, um, uh, in, the, in the whole official selection, we don't, we don't pick any French film before the end of the selection process in order to put every filmmaker in the same line. Because one has his film finished in January and the other one in March. But I don't want the guy who is still working in February on his film 
knowing that we already picked up a film in January. So we wait till the end. And uh, I don't want to say that there is a privileged territory for French cinema. But if you say that, I approve. I think that is true in a way. In statistics, but like you have a lot, you have more German film in Berlin, more Italian film in in uh, in Venezia, and more American film in Toronto. So maybe that's why the, the job is difficult because, uh, and 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 because the the if a French French film is not good, there is a doubt, a suspicion. They took that because it's French. And uh, so we we are careful of that, but. I think that, I don't know, the Schiama, Céline Schiama film. It's wonderful. Good. Fortunately, the French Which films are pretty good yeah, this year. Yeah. No, it's, and it's been, they're going to buy that, too. That will get, that'll get yeah, it released in the States. Less it's relevant good for me to because you. As rooting, I don't read the press, I'm rooting I know. for a, a second palm <laughs> door today. for a woman. Yeah. I am. Let's make good. it happen. Good. Get in that room, drop some hints, remind them, you know. Thank one. you so much for coming to visit us. And thank Thierry Frameau. No, the thank you all for being here. The reason why I'm here, it's not only because of, of Eric and Anne, it's also because I know that uh, as we are on the red carpet, there is a lot of stuff. And even if you are here, and it's very important because Cannes is made by everyone. Cannes is not mine. Cannes is not the organization of a group of people. Cannes is a real, real um, uh, project uh, coming from all together, and uh, that, that's why I can, can because you're here. So it's normal for me to be here. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.